In today's podcast, we talk with Jamie Shulang, Student Financial Affairs Director. She talks to us about the different loans, scholarships, and financial aid that is available for students when they come to Salas University. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jamie Shulang. I am the Director of Student Financial Affairs at Salas University. What types of financial aid do you offer? So the bulk of financial aid at the graduate level is loans. Um, most of what students take are the um, unsubsidized direct student loan and then the graduate plus student loan. Some cases for optometry students are also maybe eligibility for the health profession student loan. Um, and that's based on information provided on the FAFSA as long as the parental information is given, which generally isn't required for a graduate student, but in this case is for the specific type of aid. Um, there's also the option of students when they go with a private lender through a bank or a credit union, a credit card, they can look into that option for loans as well. How do you apply for financial aid? The application for aid is the FAFSA, the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, which students complete every year. And for anyone who's done loans in undergrad, it's the same exact process of going on every year, completing the FAFSA and submitting it to the school, making sure that the Salas school code is on there so that we can have access to the information. Um, if a student is looking into work study, we have a separate application for work study that we post online and we tell the students when that's available. Are there any scholarship or grant opportunities for students? When it comes to graduate school, when it comes to federal grants, uh, things like the Pell Grant or the SEOG grant are not available, unfortunately, because those are earmarked solely for undergraduate students. But the institution does have scholarships available, um, both for students when they're incoming, and that's determined um, based on undergraduate information and you know what's put on their application coming into school. And then there's also some merit-based aid available for continuing students that uh, we look at every year to see who's eligible for those endowed funds. There's a lot of external aid that students may be able to get um, scholarship-wise from different organizations. And whenever we get information about that, we send that out to the students so that they know where they can apply, what the requirements are, and hopefully they're granted some funds and we can put on their award. Who is eligible for financial aid? There's a whole list of eligibility criteria for aid through the, the government. It depends partly on what you're, whether you're doing federal aid or a private loan. Most of our students do the federal route, so that's what we usually center on. Um, the main requirement is being matriculated in the program, being at least a half-time student, um, and being a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident. There are some other criteria further down, like being enrolled in selective service, if you're a male, not having drug violations. So there's some smaller things that we don't tend to run into issues with too often, but the, the main points are how many credits you're enrolled in, your uh, residency status. Basically, those are like the two, the two big ones, being matriculated. Um, when it comes to non-federal loans, there are some lenders who will let students who are not at least half-time take loans. Um, there's not a lot out there for students who are not U.S. citizens or permanent residents, but there are some programs that are open to those students if they have a U.S. citizen or permanent resident co-signer. Um, 
So when it comes to international, there's not a lot out there. Um, for our Canadian students, we do get a lot of students from Canada, specifically in our optometry program. And there are some provincial support options for those students. So we just encourage them to check with their province to see what information they have. And we fill out any documents that are needed for that. Are there financial aid opportunities for international students? So with international students, um, like I said, a bulk of them are coming from Canada. So anyone who's Canadian should definitely talk to your Ministry of Education in your province and see what aid may be available to you. Um, I believe there are some students who may have gotten uh, credit lines through the Royal Bank of Canada and can maybe take loans out through them. Um, I know that we have certified a number of uh, forms for Ontario, Manitoba, I think Alberta. So I know I've seen a lot of different provinces um, that do provide some support to their students and get confirmation from the registrar's office and from financial aid as to the student's enrollment status and the cost, the anticipated cost for the year. When it comes to students from other countries, like I said, there are some lenders that may borrowed to international students, but generally you have to have a U.S. cosigner uh, to be eligible to get that, which is not always readily available. So it all depends on your unique situation, um, but I just recommend check with whatever Ministry of Education you have in, in your home country to see if they have anything that they may offer. Uh, I know that we have had some students who are sponsored by their countries to come here, and their country is paying their way. Um, so I'm not sure anyone who's listening to this probably knows if that's happening or not. <laughs> Maybe aren't listening to this because they know that they're covered. <laughs> um, but yeah, unfortunately, there's not a lot out there, but if you're able to, to find somebody. And um, when it comes to international, it doesn't mean that you necessarily can't get scholarship dollars. So when we review students for scholarships, um, it doesn't matter what your citizenship is most of the time. Um, we do consider students for endowed scholarships as long as there's no restrictions. Are there any work-study opportunities? So when it comes to work-study, um, we do have opportunities all over campus. A lot of the different administrative offices will hire work-study students. Um, I know admissions hires a lot of work-study students to help give campus tours and meet with applicants when they come in to campus, um, when we have applicants coming into campus, which right now we really don't have that going on. But when everything settles down with the health emergency, you know, things go back to normal, we'll have that again. Um, but places like the Learning Resource Center, the Hafter Center, they all hire students to work in those positions. Um, so there are definitely opportunities all around campus. There's no required amount of hours. Um, when we do awards, we base it on the number of hours that a student expects to work. And that's what's on that work study form we ask them to fill out every year. And that ranges from one to five hours a week up to 15 to 20. Um, so there's no minimum and there's no requirement to work if you have work study on your award, but you're not supposed to go over 20 hours a week because work study is not designed to be a full-time job because your full-time job is being a student. So it's just kind of some supplemental money. So that's why it's capped 20 hours per week. Um, in terms of part-time students, there really is an eligibility for part-time students only because it is a need-based program. And generally students who are going part-time, um, first of all, you have to meet the federal aid requirements for work study. So you have to be at least half-time 
you can't be less than that. But usually because you're not taking enough credits and your budgets aren't very high when it comes to us figuring out your cost of attendance with your tuition and your fees, um, you don't really have the financial need for work study. So generally we don't have any part-time students that are eligible for work study funds. Um, there are some departments that will hire students that do pay out of their own budgets and not out of work study. So those are always possibilities because it doesn't have the federal requirement attached to it. And there are opportunities like that for students who are not aid eligible, so international students as well, um, whether it's um, something like note taking or tutoring or something along those lines, there are opportunities for students who normally aren't aid eligible to, to work those kinds of jobs as well. How are payments dispersed? So disbursements are linked to the terms you attend. So every term, whether you're going on quarters or you're going on semesters, um, we have scheduled disbursement in line with the start of the terms. We do the awarding, we send you a, a notification that your offer is available. So I'm kind of backtracking to, to the very beginning of it that we award you, we notify you. If you want to make any changes, you let us know. If not, we go and we process your aid. The money then, based on the disbursement date, comes into your account and it's applied to your tuition. So we take care of all of the disbursement. Once you do your application and everything's good and we have your award, we take care of everything on the back end. You have your tuition payments, but then you also have your living expenses, like we just mentioned in the cost of attendance. So basically what happens with that is after your tuition and fees are paid, anything you owe the institution, whatever's left over from your loans, assuming that you're borrowing enough money, would then be cut to you in a check. Uh, we do offer direct deposit, which we encourage students to take advantage of. And that's how the students receive their funds for living expenses to use however they, they need to. Does financial aid provide extra funds aside from just tuition? So I mentioned the cost of attendance earlier, and your cost of attendance is made up of a, a variety of different components. Tuition is, is the biggest one, usually, um, but that also includes any university fees, any allowance for uh, board exams that you may need to register for while you're a student, um, specifically for the optometry program, um, a books and instruments allowance, and then also an allowance for living expenses. So we figure what the average cost of living is in the area, and we currently are offering students to borrow up to $2,200 per month for their living expenses. And when we figure out the cost of attendance, we do break it down by room, board, transportation, health insurance, and then miscellaneous expenses. But basically, when you get your award and you get your budget, anything that you get back to use for your living expenses is a lump sum. You can use it however you need to. You don't need to necessarily follow the numbers that we put on the budget as long as you know what amount you have to spend and, and you know, don't go over that amount. Um, we also include, because there are loan fees that are currently taken out of your loans when they're dispersed for federal loans, we're allowed to put an allowance into your cost of attendance for that. So. When you receive your funds, you're not going to be shortchanged by that fee. So you'll see that in the cost of attendance as well. And we do post those on MySalus. So anyone who has access to that once they're matriculated um, should be able to see the breakdown for every individual program. Is there a tuition payment plan available? 
That's something that would really need to be discussed with the bursar's office. Um, generally, we do not have tuition payment plans. Um, tuition is due the first day of classes, but that's something you can talk to the bursar about if you're having issues or maybe, you know, can see what they can work out. Um, when it comes to financial aid, we only really process the aid and don't deal with the students taking payments. Um, for any student who is applying for financial aid, if we're still working on your award and your tuition is going to be paid a little bit late because your financial aid is in process, then that's usually okay. Um, because we just notify the bursar's office or we have you notify the bursar's office that your financial aid is pending and it's, it's forthcoming. And then you're, you know, you're not going to have any problems because they know that your tuition is going to get paid. Is it possible to appeal to receive more aid if a circumstance arises? If you find that you're in a situation where you're short on cash and you had something happened that, you know, was maybe typical of just normal expenses, then we do encourage students to come talk to us. Um, there are some situations where we can look on a case-by-case -case basis and determine whether or not we're, we can increase your cost of attendance and allow you to borrow more, um, but it is case by case. So we usually tell students if they're in, in a situation where they run into a problem, come speak to us and we'll see what we can do. Um, of course, if you decide that you're not going to borrow the full amount of the budget, so let's say your budget is $60,000, I'm just throwing a figure out there, and you're only borrowing forty. dollars and you say, oh my God, my car broke down and I need money for that. Well, you have $20,000 um, at your disposal that you can borrow. So in a case like that, you could just say, I wanna increase my loan and let us know and we increase your loan and then you get the money. Um, but in a case where you borrowed that full $60,000 and you need more, that's where you can come to us and say, look, I'm in a bind, what can I do? Can you help me? So it all depends on your, you know, what you borrowed and, and how much you may be able to get. How much debt does the average student accumulate when they graduate? Well, that really depends on the program because obviously students that are in a two-year program have lower costs and fewer years of living expenses that they can borrow for compared to students who are in a four-year program. So it really does range. Um, the most recent stats from 2020, uh, we don't have the 2021 uh, information yet for graduate debt because we're still um, students can still borrow for this year um, but the range from last year is from $70,000 in debt up to $218,000 in debt so there is quite a gap depending on what program you're in obviously $70,000 was a two-year program $218,000 was a four-year um, on the whole when I looked at all the programs and all the students who borrowed it was $162,000 um, but I feel like that can be misleading because there are a number of students who take less because they're in a two-year program. So that, you know, takes everyone into consideration. And considering the majority of students are in a four-year program, it obviously makes that number seem higher. Um, but about 84% of our students in the last award year had some degree of financial aid debt. So if you're out there and you're thinking, you know, I'm not sure what I want to do, you're not going to be alone by taking a loan <laughs> um, because you see the vast majority of students here do rely on financial aid to get themselves through school. Are there counselors to talk to to get more information? Yes. Uh, well, we do have our email address, financialaidatsalis.edu, which everyone in our office has access to. So there's usually someone working. There's very few times that, that 
there's not anyone available um, with the exception of, you know, university closures for holidays and things like that. Um, so that mailbox is monitored pretty much every work day of the week, Monday through Friday. Um, and then of course, anything sent over the weekend is usually, re you know, reviewed on Mondays. Um, so email is a good way to get a hold of us. Um, right now, currently, we are only in the office Monday through Thursday with one staff member in the office per day. Um, so we are available if you need to stop by. I encourage everyone to use our email address right now because we're not always here to get the phone. Um, you know, but in the normal circumstances, when we are back to work full time, then calling us is is fine too. Um, we are doing if you wanted to sit down and and make an appointment with us, we are doing Zoom appointments or WebEx appointments um, while we're virtual. So we still have the opportunity to meet somewhat face to face um, and not just via email because it could be a lot easier to discuss things, you know, kind of in person. Um, but we do have that opportunity available as you know during the current situation so we can help students the best we can. Is there anything else you would like to add? I always encourage students to look for any scholarships that they can. Um, we send out a lot of opportunities that, that sometimes go um, unapplied for. And I know it's a time consuming task sometimes, but we've had students that have gotten money out of it. And, you know, I wouldn't want to pass up free money, especially for school. So, it's important to try to take advantage of some of those opportunities and do some searches on your own if you can. Um, I'm a big proponent of, I mean, I know we've talked a lot about borrowing and I, I always encourage students to fill out a budget for themselves. And I talk a lot about a, a lot about this when it comes to orientation and we do a budgeting worksheets that we provide online. I always tell students, you know, I know a lot of you need, you need loans and aid to get yourself through school, but borrowing as little as you possibly can is going to be the smartest decision you make because you don't want to have that loan debt burden hanging over your head for years because you want to enjoy your life when you're earning money, not have it all go to your student loan. So, you know, make sacrifices now so you can enjoy life later. To learn more about the financial aid opportunities at Salus, you can visit salus.edu slash admissions.